2: This is the Mansfield Matters podcast and this episode which you're about to listen to could be the most controversial yet. A few weeks ago Adam Rundle came on the podcast and told a story about how him kicking a corner flag led Carlton Palmer to resign. Carlton Palmer then saw this, thanks to a little bit of clickbaiting from me, on our Twitter feed and decided he wanted to have his say. Fans, before we could make a decision on whether we would or wouldn't do it, then saw this, and the majority said they wanted to hear the full story. So, we delivered. Now, Nathan Edge is alongside me, and we will be talking more at the end. We've just finished recording the episode, and um, we'll talk more about it at the end. But the one thing we want to stress, Nath, is that this episode and this offering was done for three reasons, really. The first was by way of an apology for me for doing a little bit of clickbait, which is not a nice thing to do sometimes. Uh, The second is that everybody deserves to have their say on something, especially when it's something which involves them and their life. And the third is that it was done on the condition that the whole friendship between Carlton and Keith Haslam wasn't referenced too much and it wasn't a platform for him to come on and to defend Haslam's actions as chairman of Mansfield Town Football Club. And before we get into this episode, we want to stress that, but also we want to say, genuinely, that he didn't.
3: Yes, absolutely. I think it was important to try and get the, the balance right for, for this one. And it's, a bit, it, it's quite a difficult one to... to To produce really isn't it because it's been it's really easy for us on our stag stories previously when you're talking about when you're going through the the good the good years and the the fans favorites and things like that whereas this is a a a different different style uh but but equally as important so um yeah like you said there's there's certainly two sides to to every story and i think those are certainly important to, to to be told and to be heard We want to ask two
2: things as well of you listeners as um, we play this podcast. The first is that you make your own mind up. You make your own conclusions. Don't be swayed by what any of us have to say. You will have your opinions on it left, right and centre. The second is that in response to it, we think before we act. Because there will be backlash to this episode. There will be backlash towards him, towards us for, for doing it but think before you act, because footballers, football managers, as we've said numerous times, especially over the past year since the pandemic, are just human beings. And in this episode, over the next 90 minutes or so, that comes to light a little bit more. It gets heated at times, it gets interesting at times, but it's also open and honest. Me and Nathan will give our thoughts on it at the end of the podcast, so make sure you stick around for that. But without further ado, This is Mansfield Matters' most controversial episode yet. It's Stag Stories with Carlton Palmer.
0: When I was at Stockport, Kevin Richardson always used to say to me, Gaffer, if you're fit, you play. Peter Shirtcliff was never really wanting me to play. And I'd been out injured, I didn't play against Darlington. We trained all week, and I was umming and ahhing whether to play or not. When I left the house that morning, I didn't travel with the team. We had a few players injured. We decided that week, that because they were young players, we were gonna make and play a solid system of three centre-backs. I had never played three centre-backs before. We picked a side for that. And I spoke to Peter Sherkitt when he was on the bus, traveling to the game. Only then, did I make the decision not to play? Nobody else knew. Nobody else knew. Steve Parking is Palomar, manager of He Invites me into his, his office, and I don't think he even realized it was on the back of the board. There is our team on the backboard. The only person who knew I wasn't playing was Peter Shirkley. Nobody else knew. When the boys arrived, I pull everybody out on the pitch. So anybody who was around that time, any newspaper reporters or whatever, you will see I walk the players out on the pitch. And I get in the middle of the players and I tell them, and I say, which one of you have told them, our team, our tactics, and everything? And everyone to a man said to me, gaffer, not me. And I believe them, I believe every single one of them. Somebody who I've recruited, Peter Shirkwin, who I've later found out, He'll he'll probably deny it if you speak to him. He'll probably deny that he didn't lead the team, but I have it on good authority, and I won't say the person's name because I had it on good authority that Peter Shirkku gave them our team. I've had my arguments with the chairman when he told me what the budget was. I've not just sat there and accepted things from him because we put our friendship to one side just because you're friends. That's still part, part of the job. Listen, so I, just, I, just... Just,
2: I just want to jump in and say that, you know, I know that you feel that a, a large majority of Mansfield fans do blame you for the demise. And I think that needs to stop because I think for every one Mansfield fan that you say feels that and who says that directly to you, I would find you that don't there's a lot of different that's, things in there and I, I, I just to, I, yeah absolutely um, I just think that that's something which I, I know it's been on you for a long time and I guess if social media would have been a little bit more right, that it might have been a lot lot more but I, I honestly think that like Nathan said it's more the friendship than anything I think we've covered that and I just want to say to you that from two Mansfield fans who have got parents and grandparents that are fans of the club, that those people who say that are a minority. So please do not judge our football club and our fan base by that basis. Well, this is a podcast which we never thought would happen. It's one me, Nathan, Cam and Simon have always sort of talked about. But it's one we've sort of, not necessarily avoided, but one in which... It's, uh, there's going to be a lot of controversy. I know that a lot of fans have been looking forward to this uh, as well. First and foremost, we're absolutely delighted to be joined uh, by Carlton Palmer. Carlton, welcome back to the UK, first and foremost. How are you doing? Uh,
0: good evening. Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks very much. Yeah, it's great to be back in the UK. Um, obviously, with COVID, uh, my wife and I haven't been back to the UK for 15 months. So it's nice to get back and, uh, and see all the family um, we have four kids and two grandkids, so you know it, it's it's a long a long way from home and a long time. So it's great to be back in the UK. It really is.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Now let's talk about how this podcast came about. Obviously, a few weeks ago, me and Nathan uh, interviewed one of your ex-players in Adam Rundle, who you also played with at some point in your career as well, elsewhere other than Mansfield, which was um, a real good insight and a real good laugh. And. One thing he said in there, he picked up on two particular stories. One we'll go into later because it's a little bit lighter and a little bit of sort of comic relief, which I think we're going to need over the next hour or so. Uh, The other is a, is a, a story in which he said that by him kicking a corner flag that he got you sacked. He made you resign. Now, before we go anywhere on that... I need to hold my hands up a little bit because there was a little bit of clickbait from there from me in terms of the title, and I don't think for a second, Nathan Age, that any fan out there believes that that was the reason in which Carlton resigned. Let, let's get that clear now.
3: I, I mean, I never even sort of would have put two and two together. I can't even really, I couldn't remember that happening to be honest. So um, I think it was kind of one of those tongue-in-cheek comments, um, you know, a, a joke of a. To get in the the story, basically, um, but uh, yeah, I don't think you know uh, the, the difficulty is it was that point of our time, a month town history. It was a very sort of turbulent time. So. Um, yeah, I think that was a humorous story to try to put in there. If that if that makes sense. So, but we'll blame you for the clickbait. <laughs>
2: yeah, always blame me, mate. I'll take full responsibility for that. Um, before we go any further, we said it at the top of the show before Carlton joined us. Me and Carlton have been talking sort of via direct message since that sort of clip went out, and we've sort of had a long chat about about things. We're here specifically today, Carlton, to talk about your time at Mansfield and give your perspective on things. Fans will know and we know that you've got a good relationship with the former owner, Mr Haslam. We're not here to talk about him and you've, all, you've sort of said in the direct message as well that you agree with that. You're not here to sort of fight his corner and back things. You're here to talk about you. That's right, isn't it? Let's get that clear.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, whatever issues Keith Haslam has with, uh, with Mansfield time prior to, to him asking me to come in, Um, when he had the issue with Keith Curl, it's got nothing to do with me. You know, the chairman's a good friend of mine, was before uh, I became manager of Mansfield Town, uh, was after I've left Mansfield Town, is now and will always be a good friend of mine. But whatever whatever issues he had with the club or whatever, I don't know, and that's none of my business. Um, But I feel that my relationship with Keith is the reason why... Um, the, the, the the problems occurred at the club. I mean, you know, the supporters should be your 10th man, you know, uh, your 13th man. But the supporters were uh, against me, against the chairman, and that was extremely difficult for, for the players, especially a young squad of players, to have to deal with. You know, they've already got the, the pressure of having to play the game, develop, as we were wanting them to develop, and then having to deal with the situation. So, as I said... The best way to start the, the the podcast was why I resigned, and um, I've got to be honest with you. You know, uh, I'm remarried now, and my wife, uh, who, who was my fiance at the time, had had asked me um, when I got home not to resign. Uh, the chairman had asked me to not to resign, and the board had asked me not to resign. Um, but I was I was emotional on that day, and I'll explain to you why. We had had a good result against uh, Darlington the week before, 2-2. And the boys had played really well. And I was really pleased with them. But when I was at Stockport, Kevin Richardson always used to say to me, Gaffer, if you're fit, you play. Peter Shirtcliffe was never really wanting me to play. And I'd been out injured. I didn't play against uh, uh, Darlington. Uh, we, tra- we, we, we trained all week. Um, and I was umming and ahhing whether to play or not. When I left the house that morning, I didn't travel with the team. I traveled directly from uh, Sheffield to Rochdale. As I was leaving the house, my wife said to me, it was my wife now, she said to me, 'Can't are you fit? I said, yes. She said, you play. She said, those young kids, they need your experience. They need you talking to them. Look at the difference, it, you know, when you played, when you were at Stockport County and what have you. So I hadn't made my mind up whether I was gonna play. We decided after a few players at the start of the season, we had a few players injured. We decided that week that because they were young players, we were gonna make and play a solid system of three center backs. I had never played three center backs before. So we trained all week to play with three center backs, five in midfield and two up front. We picked a side for that. Right, I did not make the decision. I spoke to Peter Shercliffe when he was on the bus travelling to the game, and only then did I make the decision not to play. Only then, nobody else knew. Nobody else knew. So, I get to the ground. Steve Parkin is a palomite manager of Rossdale. So I go. He invites me into his, his office. And I don't think he even realised it was on the back of the board. There is our team on the backboard. On his board. board. Sorry? On his board. On his board. board, Three centre-backs, five in midfield, two up front. We'd never played three centre-backs. We trained all week. And the only person who knew I wasn't playing was Peter Shercliffe. Nobody else knew. Right? I've never in my career... Like, listen, George Graham came into Leeds United. He didn't fancy me. That's fine. No problem. I'm still part of the squad. I never rang up another club and give them the tactics or details of what we're doing. Because it was not about me and my relationship with George Graham. It was about my teammates. And although I didn't like George Graham, I still wanted my team to win. So if you, if you go back and look at what happened... I don't do it in the dressing room when the boys arrive i pull everybody out on the pitch so anybody who was around that time any newspaper reporters or whatever you will see i walk the players out on the pitch and i get in the middle of the players and i tell them and i said which one of you have told them our team our tactics and everything and everyone to a man said to me gaffer not me and I believe him. I believe every single one of them. Because let me tell you, we had a brilliant dressing room. Even Andrew Rund- Rundle will tell you, as he did on his podcast, and the lads will tell you, we had a, we had a brilliant dressing room. There were a great bunch of lads, right? They worked hard. They, they were fantastic. And, and we got on well. We got on really well, right? So, you know, people players saying that they weren't happy when when or, or they were happy when I left and they were jumping around in the dressing room that I resigned, right? That is not true. A lot of the players phoned me up and were disappointed when I resigned, right? So listen, so I now have a major problem. What do I do? I get their team sheet. I don't know how they're going to set up and how, gonna, how they're going to play. But I envisage that they're going to play three on top because that's exactly what I would do if I saw that. And what they do they do? Play three on top. Now, if I change the team before the game. I look like an amateur in front of my players. I can't change the team because I still don't know how Rochdale are going to line up, right? We've trained all week with three centre backs. You know, so the game starts and we're under the cosh. 20 minutes into the game, if it wasn't for the goalkeeper, we should have been out of sight. What do I do? I'm watching the game. If I leave it, and we go 2-0 or 3-0 down, the game's gone. So on 35 minutes, I understand, and this is where I get the un- the supporters' frustration. You know, I make two changes. But I can't change the team because I haven't got the personnel on the pitch to change the system. So I've got to take two players off to give us a chance, right? I take the two players off. If you remember, Colin Larkin had a great chance just before halftime, and we could have gone in 1-1, After after being actually battered for 20 minutes. In the second half, the boys give it everything. The boys give it everything. And even people who reported on the game would tell you that if the big centre back doesn't get sent off, we might nick a draw. So they score late on and we lose 2 0. But the boys have given me everything. But you know what? When you sit there and you stand there, football's been good to me, but I've been good to football and i give everything 100%. somebody can say to me when i played or managed they don't think i'm good enough but they never ever criticize me for the efforts and what i put in and to sit and, and listen to the fans abuse that they were giving to me i i and plus at that time i'll be honest with you i was going through a divorce and i wasn't seeing my kids so it ought that my solitude was was managing football. And I'm going to Mansfield town where I'm playing for, paying for overnight stays. I'm, I'm trying to do the right thing for the boys and I'm abused by the supporters. And then somebody who I've recruited, Peter Shirtcliffe, who I've later found out, right? He'll, he'll probably deny it if you speak to him. He'll probably deny that he didn't lead the team, but I have it on good authority and I won't say the person's name because I had it on good authority that Peter Shirtcliffe gave them our team. And the one thing that is 100 percent a fact, 100 percent, before the chairman got home, he got 15 calls from Peter Shirtcliffe. Peter Shirtcliffe was on Sky Sports, said he rang me and asked me not to resign. To this day, I have never spoken to Peter Shirtcliffe, to this day. Now, I was emotional. And maybe I shouldn't have resigned there and then at the time. Keith Aslam, the chairman, asked me to reconsider. The next day, the board had a meeting. They wanted to meet me. And there's there's five or six members of the board. So it wasn't just the chairman who I have a friendship with. It was the rest of the board all asked me to reconsider. But I decided to leave because I felt that they were against me because of Keith Aslam. So therefore, these young players who needed to be helped to play the game of football needed to be able to do that in a good environment. So what I can't get my head around is that I left, right, with after eight games. So how many games is that left in the rest of the season? What, 38 games left that season. They don't get relegated that season. They don't get relegated the following season. They get relegated the following season after that. Peter Shercliffe, who they say the players wanted, or this is what they say the players wanted in inverted commas. I left them, they were fourth from bottom in the league. He finished fourth from bottom that season. He finished fourth from bottom the following season. And those players that I brought in, some of them went on to have good careers. So I don't see where, you know, the supporters are. Um, blaming me for the demise of Mansfield town. Listen, that I want to just jump I is, just
2: want to jump in here for a second because that point of the supporters blaming you or whatever, I completely agree with because like you said there was a, an absolute gap from the point where you left to there. We had like four different managers, different playing staff and all the stuff off the pitch as well. That's absolutely something which we agree with. Let's just go back to the point as well. I know that you you're passionate about that and it's something which, you know, fans have come at you on, on social media and, and various other times and said and, and said as well. I don't think that needs picking up on too much because we agree and I think a lot of fans, given the time that's passed since, will also agree on that. But I want to pick up on the point of Peter Shirtliff, because you said in there that you were, you know, sure that it was him that, that leaked the team and things like that and, you know, what made you so sure that it was him? How do you know that, you know, the, the players well, weren't okay, lying was a, okay, a pack mentality? Okay. I'm, I'm going to say this,
0: if it wasn't him, right, yeah. if he's my no. assistant manager and this is the truth and you can check it out, I've brought him in, i put him in more, because I, 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 I've, Kevin Richardson was my number one person to come in, you know, and he worked with me at Stockport. Yeah. When Kevin couldn't come because his wife was ill, I decided, I spoke to a lot of people in the game I respect, Howard Wilkinson, Ron Atkinson, and they said to advertise for the job. Peter Shercliffe we weren't buddies at Sheffield Wednesday, but we played in a successful team. I respected the guy. So I brought him in as a coach because he was a respected coach. I put him on a bigger salary than myself. I sorted out his, his, his accommodation, he was living in 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 blackpool blackpool at the time with his missus i saw it his conversation. if it wasn't peter Shercliffe, and trust me i have it from a very very good source that it was then therefore the one thing that i can guarantee you that he didn't do he did not phone me and tell me that not to resign and he phoned the chairman 15 times before the chairman got home after the rochdale game about getting the manager's job in actual fact, the chairman came to me and asked me, what do you think when everything settled down? And you know what I said? I said, Le- give it the job to Peter because, right, I, I-, I could have been nasty and vindictive, but I didn't want to do that because I knew he was a good coach and I wanted the players to have some stability. I didn't want another manager to come in and, and say he didn't fancy that player or didn't want, want that player. So I-, I did the right thing there. So I know for a fact he let me down. In normal circumstances, if this was the Carlton Palmer of old, if Carlton Palmer, who, who is now, you know, sorted his divorce out and got his, you know, seeing his kids and doing whatever, I would have sacked Peter Shirtcliffe after that game and I would have carried on and turned it around. Because at the end of the day, the bottom line, it's about results. If you look at Newcastle United, every, nobody wanted Steve Bruce in at Newcastle United. They still don't want him in. And when they get a bad result, they jump on his back. But he's actually done better than Rapid Benitez is actually done better than Rafa Benitez, but it's just the supporters' perception. And I was on an into nothing because of my relationship with the chairman.
3: Do you not think, um, obviously you said earlier going into the job, you wasn't aware of the issues between the chairman and the and the fans. Do you not think you should have been given a bit of warning from that from, from Keith Hazel? And that's, that's kind of a bit of an issue because whether it was you, Colton, or... Somebody else, somebody else completely different who had that relationship with Keith That the same attitude would have been there from fans regardless because the problem was there already. So it kind of set you up in a sense there to, yeah. to fail in it in, in, in a way. I agree. Before
0: you well, it, to, 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 well, to be honest with you, sorry, sorry to interrupt. To be honest with you, it wasn't something that was planned. You know, I know there was an issue with Keith, Keith Curl. That that was nothing to do with me in, in actual fact. Let me let me just elaborate on the Keith Curl situation. Keith Curl rang me up. He's a good friend of mine, Keith Curl. I was, was gonna ask if you did bay- know Keith, yeah.
2: I, I was gonna ask if you did know Keith, because I was doing some research before and you know you, I think in your initial quotes when you first joined you did know Keith. I just wanna just wanna stress I don't wanna go too much into the case, because obviously his name was, was no, cleared no, no, and no, no. all that's, that's done. That's, so let's. Again with yeah.
0: me. So that's yeah. nothing to do with me. But what I just want to say to you is I Keith Curl and I are very good friends. So Keith rang me up when the Mansfield job became available. He said, You're friends with the chairman. Can you give me an introduction? And I said, Keith, in all fairness, you're my friend. The chairman's my friend. I don't really want to get involved, right? He said, Come on, Carlton. We all need an helping hand along the way. So I said to him, right, i got the two of them together. I said, listen, you're both my friends. I still want to have you both as my friends. It's down to you. The chairman rang me up and said he had a great meeting with Keith Curl, you know, what do you think? I said, Chairman, there's just a merry-go-round that goes around all the time with managers just coming into jobs and, you know, that have been in other jobs and failed. Young people need the opportunity, give them a go. And so I was instrumental in Keith Curl getting into the, the job there, right? But what happened was, whatever happened, the chairman phoned me on a Friday night and said, can you take the game? You know, the way it goes sometimes, which happens, you go in there, the result happens, then another result happens, then another result happens. And then before you know it, you know, the the board asked to have a meeting with me and said, would you be interested in the job? Um, You know, I, I love football. Uh, and and I work with a, a, a pal of mine who was the chairman of of, of Stockport, Brendan Elwood, you know, and, and as a as a manager, if you've got if you've got a, a, a good relationship with the chairman, I'm going into management now. I'm going back into Grantham town. I've got a, I've I've been on the phone. I've not met Darren Ashton yet, but I, I I've been on the phone with him. We've got an instant rapport. We get on well. And the one thing I've said to Darren is, I want to go and out. I, I want to go out and have a beer with him. I want to have a good relationship with him. And if we if it doesn't work out, then I, then you know I want to still remain friends with him. So you know it wasn't a situation. Was that you know I I went in. You know you then. Whatever happened before at the football club, you you got a budget that you've got to work with. You've got to look at uh, the situation, and you you know things happen. Like you know that season, I went to watch a game. I went to watch the boy Tipton, great player, and we and we signed him. We'd done the deal. We get it over the. The boy was crying. He was he, you know his wife. He, his wife lived in Darlington. She didn't really want to move. He had young kids. I signed him on his contract, and we'd worked all through the summer to get him in. And then the kid the kid was distraught, and I, I'm not that type of... I understand when you've got a family. I did it at Southampton, you know, with Dave Jones. My family was up north, and in the so I had to let him go out of his contract. But then trying to get another striker in was difficult. So these are the circumstances you have to deal with. But my argument is I gave everything, and I thought the abuse that was given to me was unfair and unjustified. And that's all I'm saying. The circumstances, I understand that game at, at, at Rochdale, the supporters getting really annoyed. Obama oh, doesn't know what he was doing. But they like, as I said, there was a reason behind what happened that day.
2: Yeah, right. Absolutely. And you know what? It's, it's fair to, to give you that say and things like that. And I think that's fine. There's a couple of things which you said during your, your first bit, which I want to pick up on. And I actually find really interesting. Nathan will as well, um, the first one um, is, is a footballing decision. The second one is about mental health and the things which go off off the pitch, which fans don't particularly realise. That's a really good topic and something which we're very passionate about, which we'll come on to later on because I think that falls nicely into the Matt Tipton story as well, as you alluded to. Then the first one, though, I've got to ask the question. Obviously, you've put Peter Shirtcliffe's name out there as the one that leaked the team and things like that. You had Paul Holland as your assistant during the first season, if you like, after you took over from from Keith Curl. What was the thought process in bringing in an assistant manager? Was it a a fact that he wasn't experienced at first team level? Did you want a little bit more of a closer friendship? Because, obviously, ultimately, the decision to bring in Peter Shirtcliffe, who you then later say threw you under the bus, if you like, for want of a better phrase, was on your shoulders. So just explain to us that thought process. Oh, listen, hundred percent. I'm
0: not gonna i I'm not gonna sit here and say that that's not my fault. Listen, if you're gonna do well in life, it's recruitment. It's recruitment. If you're a manager, it's recruitment, whether it's your staff, whether you're players. That's as simple as it is. And like I said to you, if I was in a different frame of mind that I was was I wasn't in at that moment in time. If it was a normal carton palmer, listen, he'd have gone, right? Simple as, right? Um, so that's down to me. What I wanted to do is Paul Holland, he was a loyal, good bloke, but I needed to bring my own man in. I, if all the time, you can ask Paul, I, I got Paul involved all the time. He was involved all the time, and I wanted him that way, but I wanted my own money in. And now I look back now and people say to me, right, I, I look back and I see how Wilkinson, he brought in McKennigan. Wasn't a great footballing bloke, but he was loyal to And you need that. The game's a tough enough game without having somebody. So I did the right thing in advertising in trying to get the right man in to do the job. But if that person has a different agenda, right, he can say whatever he wants. He can say he didn't leave the team. He can say, so if he didn't leave the team, he never, ever rang me, he's never been in contact since to say, oh, Gaffer, don't resign, come on, it's a situation, let's move forward. It's a telltale sign for me. But I'm not crying over that. It happened, and that's what happens in life. It's a lesson. It's a lesson now where I've recruited staff for Grantham Town. You know, it will never happen again on my watch, and it's a massive lesson because it is so important. Football is a difficult job. You're going to win games. You're going to lose games. All the supporters of every club wants their team to be in the playoffs or get promoted. It is not possible, right? So it depends on your budget. It depends on, you know, circumstances within the football club. So you need that buffer around you that's going to support you. And even though you're a strong character, like I'm a strong character, you still need people around you to go, like Rico used to always come to me, you know, Gaffer, come on, you know, it's just a bad result. Let's get back to basics. Let's get back to the drawing board. You know, we're on the right track. That's what you need. And unfortunately, th- that is what that is what happened. And and listen, it's in my book. Right. So if Peter Shirkuth denies it, then he's quite entitled to come and sue me. But that's not happened, and my book's been out for two years. Yeah, Sue Carton,
2: not us, by the way.
0: <laughs> no, no, Sue, he's quite welcome to come and sue me. At the end of the day, I'm not saying because, like, I'm saying I have it on good authority. And the person who, who, who I'm say, telling you has told me it's on good authority, right, um, like I said, right, If at the end of the day he didn't do it, he never called me and he never, ever said to me to reconsider, which he went live on Sky Sports and said that's what he did and he never did. So that is a complete lie, and that's one hundred and ten percent.
2: Let's move on uh, to the second point of, of that, because I think we've definitely covered that in in detail. Um, and it's certain, for, to be honest, you know, we'll me and Nathan will talk about it a little bit more later. There are lots of things in there which have sort of opened my eyes a little bit. Um, I didn't say it at the top of the show, but I know I said to you, sort of privately, at the time I was 13, 14, I was, you know, um, really only starting to watch football full time. Um, didn't really understand the game too much, so I never understood the politics, and Nathan, uh, I guess, is uh, the same as well. But one thing we have understood and taken to heart a lot, lot more since then as we've grown up, um, you know, I'm 30 now, Nathan's just become a dad for the first time, is the mental health side. So- the absolute, Absolutely um, Is the mental health um, Side of the game And you picked upon A couple of things there Obviously you were going Through your, your divorce You weren't seeing your kids um, That is a really tough time And we spoke to Adam Rundle A little bit about this as well You know He was living away from From home um, You know Living in a pub for a while Really struggling to Sort of get settled We've seen it with players up and down the country. Does there need to, to be more of a public open conversation between football clubs, players, managers, coaches and supporters to understand and to take on board that mental health side of the game because it's had a massive, massive effect over the years and, and continues to do so, yet it's it's not talked about.
0: Yeah, but, but you see, this is what I, this is what I'm trying to say to you. You know, my 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 job as a football manager is also to educate the players from my experience, right? So one of the things that was mentioned, like you know, with, with that Adam Rundle mentioned, and I know it was tongue in cheek when I when I was talking to the lads and saying, right, not every one of you is going to be a millionaire like me, and 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 and, and you're not all going to play in the Premier Premier League. Listen, there has to be a reality. So when the guys, I know what my players were earning, right? And I see them driving the cars that they were driving. I'm trying to educate them like Ron Atkinson did to me, like Howard Wilkinson did to me. That's why I'm in the position I am at 55, right? Because they're not just football managers. They taught me the important things in life. So that's what I tried to do with the players at Stockport, the players at Mansfield. It wasn't me trying to put them down. Yes, listen, we're We all want to dream of going to play at Barcelona and 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 Real Madrid. So, so I was just trying to educate the players and saying, right, listen, you might. Eat. All of you guys, we're gonna. All of the guys who are in that dressing room, we're gonna go at the end of the day and have to work at the end of football. So what I was trying to do is educate them so the mental health issue doesn't come in. So they finish finished playing football at 35 and 36 and they've got nothing to show for it, whereby if they did what I was trying to educate them to do, don't go and buy fancy cars, go and buy a nice house, put some money aside. So when they finish playing football, they've got something to fall back on. You've got to understand your players. You know, Tipton signed a four-year contract for me. But he was desperately unhappy. And when he come in my, my, my office and crying his eyes out, right, he signed a four-year contract. I couldn't hold the kid to it. Listen, son, go back to your family. We'll release you for your contract. But that put me in a load of trouble because we pursued him for a long time. We, we put all our eggs in bas- one basket. And then it's late in the day to get another quality striker like he was. But what was more important at the time? What was more important was taking care of him. And, and I could go home and sleep at night rather than thinking, like, right, well, I've stopped this kid going and he's, he's going to be unhappy here. He'll still go out and play for me because he was that type of mentality. But, you, you know, you have to understand that side of the game. So as a manager or somebody's in charge of a group of young players, it's your job not just to teach them football, but to teach them the right way. Football has given me such a base in life. That I can't tell you, you know, from the, the likes of starting with with Ron, with Nobby Styles and whatever, giving that character the backbone to take the knocks, to take the setbacks. This this is part of life, and it's getting worse now because we live in a, a in a society where everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got an opinion. Who who? In fact, people have got opinion who haven't achieved anything. Who knock people who have got who have achieved something, that's that's just the world we live in at the moment. And not everybody's got a strong um, fortitude to be able to deal with it. So as a manager, if you get a group of young players together, that is part of your role, to help them to develop so, so they can deal with the setbacks, they can deal with the disappointments and not fall into this, you know, uh, depression or sadness.
2: Do you think that a lack of communication in terms of the real reasons for him leaving sort of contributed to the, you know, the fuel to the fire. Now, I know that obviously as part of that, you know, you're protecting him because you you don't necessarily want to put that full story out there that he is missing his kids, he is missing his missus, he is missing missing living away from home. So there is a degree to that. But do you think that a lack of communication or if it had been handled in a better way in terms of saying, you know, these aren't just footballers, these are human beings and they have lives and they have you have to look after their their welfare as well as you know trying to win games of football do you think if that had been said a little bit more there might not have been as much flack is that fair i think it's fair but i had
0: to protect him yeah. i had to protect him whatever i said if I, it, you know listen it wasn't it wasn't about me and it, it, and if if i'd have said anything i think it would have been it would have been Detrimental to him, so I I I felt that I you know listen I I I'm am I'm a big person and 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 do you know what um, he, he was if I'm being honest in negotiations he had said that to me in negotiations I sold him the story and and he was up for it he was up for it but he was always saying that to me in negotiations so I I felt uh, it's not it's it's you know. I wanted him to give it a go, and he and he tried to give it a go, and then when he, it didn't work out for him, and he was so it was so sad. I felt that it needed to be closed between me and him, and it didn't need to be made public. That's protecting him. So okay, I'm going to get a bit of stick. I didn't think it would be to the level that it would be, um, but it is what it is. I still I still stand by my decision to protect the player.
2: And do you know what, Nate? I think we. Uh, you know as as grown-ups and as as adults applaud that because sometimes uh, as a manager as a coach when there is that sensitivity around the situation that's something which has to be handled with delicate care doesn't it Nath?
3: Yeah and um, I think this is where sort of like Colin Colton just said there sort of this day and age it's even harder because it's so easy to to get onto twitter or to facebook and or like ourselves onto a podcast platform and um and throw opinions out there and certainly in the last couple of years in particular i think from our point of view doing the podcast i, I certainly take a very conscious effort to try and hold back some of those raw emotions and what you might say because uh, you don't always know the full story you don't know as supporters you don't know exactly what's going on in the background until until you know sometimes many years or decades later when we can <laughs> sit down and have these chats over over podcasts and go back over the years and it's a different situation then but at the time you don't know the full story so sometimes you know it's i think it's very easy for supporters to to jump to conclusions and uh and and throw opinions and abuse or and things like that out there when we don't necessarily know the full story
2: yeah absolutely um I think that's definitely something which uh, needs to be looked at a little bit more uh, going forward definitely. Um I think you know we, we've covered a lot on um your you know your resignation and things like that and uh, and that let's go back a little bit more to the start because your caretaker spell um was is probably one of the, the longest caretaker manager spells that I've ever known a caretaker manager to have. Um, It went on for for so, so long. Um, Just talk us through that initial conversation after um, the first game. Obviously, you've been brought in on the Friday night. Whatever happened with Keith Curler has happened. At what point did you know that it might become more of a full-time or a longer-term thing? Or were you literally just going day-to-day, week-to-week?
0: No, just literally going day-to-day, week-to-week. That was it. I mean, I was contracted to the BBC. As I said, the chairman called me to come in and do the game on the Saturday. And uh and and literally it, it was just the way that was going it, the situation was going. I mean, um, you know, and, and obviously in that caretaker spell the results uh, were, were good and um and so you know there was no thought of no, there was certainly no thoughts on my job on my part about uh, the job, and uh, you know, something that you know, the chairman and I hadn't even talked about. I, I either assumed uh, Keith Cole was going to become come back back as manager, or he, Keith would give the Keith Aslam would give the job to somebody else. We, it, it was just not not something we discussed. It was just, Colton, can you, you know, after the game, can you do it for another week? Can you do it, you know? And that was just the way it was.
2: I think one of the interesting things is, is which perhaps didn't help on reflection was the the movement of players so early on. Um, you know, people going out, people coming coming in, which is highly unheard of for a caretaker manager to, to do. But before we go on to that, Nath, I think one thing which, you know, I'd certainly forgotten and, and I was reminded about when I was doing the research, you know, a couple of evenings evenings ago was the fact that actually at that time the squad was actually quite depleted anyway. So whoever was was coming in was gonna need
3: gonna need players. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and as you sort of said earlier, Craig, you and I were, were quite quite young at this time, so um, you know took the time the last few weeks to sort of speak to speak to other people who were uh, you know a bit more sort of uh, involved at this point. Uh, and one of the things that they did say, you know, to to to, to Colton's credit, is um, we did actually bring in some really really talented players and some uh, you know some really good players in in that time. And it was like you said, there it was certainly certainly needed at that point, point in time.
2: Yeah, it certainly was. And was that something which you sort of knew about early doors in those early conversations? Or was it after, you know, sort of taking a little look at, at, at the squad that you sort of decided we need to bring fresh bodies in?
0: Well, no, no. I mean, the, the chairman had said that to me after after a game or two, that he, he, he was well aware that the, the, the squad was small, and, um, the chairman is knowledgeable about the game of football. If you look at the past, look at uh, the achievements of Mansfield Town in the past and the players that they've produced in the past—Liam Lawrence, uh, Baptiste, you know, Corden—all of these players that have come through and played at the level. The chairman knows what he's what he's doing. So it's getting the right players in, but that takes time, and it takes time to get the right players. It takes time for those players to develop. And that's the one thing a football manager hasn't got. You know, he hasn't got time. Uh, And you certainly haven't got time if if the fans are not on your side. You know, but he was aware of that. Um, You know, I I brought in good young players at Stockport. And when he said to me we needed to bring players in, I wanted to bring in good young players at Mansfield. And those players need time. They need time. You know, Um, 110% we would have finished higher than fourth in the league uh, if I'd have stayed. Um, and I do, I do regret resigning. I'll be honest with you. I should have, I should have, um, I should have had the backbone to do that. There's very few things uh, in my footballing career I do regret, and I and I do regret resigning at, at, at the time. I can honestly say that. I know that a lot of state supporters will probably say, "No, I'm, we're glad you did go." But you know, I'm I, I have always, always in my career proved people wrong.
2: Another thing which you did sort of early doors as well is uh, a change in captaincy. Kevin Pilkington was the long-term captain. He'd led us to a, a playoff final um, you know, and a promotion as well as vice-captain and things like that. Been at the club a very long time, an experienced goalkeeper. You decided to give it to Alex Baptiste. What was the, the decision uh, behind that? Was it a fact that you just needed somebody in the middle of the park or, or were you trying to just sort of give your little fresh impetus on things?
0: No, I, I, I don't believe in a goalkeeper being captain. There's just n- nothing personal about it. I just I just a captain. Listen, you should have eleven captains on the pitch, right? But I just don't believe that. You know, if, if you if you go around the world now in world football and you go through every throughout the leagues, how many how many captains are do you have that are the goalkeepers? Very very few, very few. So it's not something personal against uh, Kevin. You know, it was just something that I think that a captain should be um, in the in the. Um, you know, it's a it's a difficult one for me as well. Do you know what I mean? But I, I just I just I've always believed that the goalkeeper is he can see the picture, he can see the old game, but he's furthest away from the game as well. So it, there was nothing personal about it. Some of the players I know, you you are gonna have fans favours. Listen, I played at I played at Southampton, I went to Southampton, and every when I first went there, they were like, obviously Matt Letizia is a god down there. He's a god down there. So I, I when I first went in there, I said to Dave Jones, if you keep on playing Matt Letizia... they were they were nine they were nine points adrift when, when he brought me in. And I said to him, if you keep playing Matt Letizia, we will get relegated. And he said to me, Colton, if I don't play him, you'll get the sack. So we had to get Matt Letizia fit. And once we got Matt Letizia fit, then it wasn't a problem because he's a fantastic football player. But you've got to understand that the fans have their favourites. And I know that they think about, you know, Rundle replaced Corden. But Corden was coming to to the end and he was on big money. And at the the time now, the structure, the, the wage structure was different. So there wasn't that money to pay that was around... The years ago to, to keep him at the football club and he wasn't playing at that level so I'm you can have your fans' favorite i'm
2: going to put a scenario
0: again it comes to you know i
2: sorry i'm going to put a scenario to to nathan um you know talking about that because we've spoken about it quite often especially last year you know we had two strikers who were shipped out in january because they were on on big money but again from from my memory and certainly through going through like the articles and stuff nate none of that was communicated so it almost looked from the outset and I think this is part of the problem that it was just somebody else coming in getting rid of the old trying to change absolutely everything the scenario is Nath it's the you know we're in we go back in time to that particular point but we're the age we are now with the understanding we've got now if that would have been communicated more about that we need to you know we missed out on promotion we've lost out on promotion money we need to tighten the, the, the budget. We've got X player and X player coming towards the end on what's a, a generous contract for this level. If that had been communicated a little bit more, do you think that there would have been less of a backlash, Nath?
3: Possibly, but those things aren't communicated. And even to this day, they're usually not communicated because what what sort of um, you know, manager or chairman or footballing director wants to come out and say we're lowering the budget because <laughs> you know that's automatically going to get backlash from from supporters and it might take a dip on the gate so they're always going to be worried about it, and, and you might start re- it, you know, they may struggle with recruitment wise it you know has a knock on a fence effect from that doesn't it so i don't i think it's very rare for for, for clubs to come out and say we are going to even if it would actually be beneficial at that moment in time to give whatever manager is in in charge a bit of uh, a bit of slack you know give them a bit of benefit of the doubt to say that you know look we have got to change uh, change our structure we are looking after the pennies a bit more I know Nigel Clough currently you know has come in and said we are going to do that but not because we have to but he said because we want to and that's a different way of putting it across but um, you know it just that sort of thing isn't said a lot, and um, and you can understand the the reasoning from from both sides, to be honest.
2: And do you know what? Over time, to be fair, you know, like you said, Nath earlier, Colton actually did bring in. Quite a few class players. You look at Richie Barker, absolute club legend and a top man as well, thriving now as an assistant manager. Adam Rundle was great for his. Gareth Jellyman, another guest we've had on the show as well, a fantastic servant over the years. So nobody can doubt that whatsoever. I just think it's that accumulation. There is one player, though, Carlton, that, you know, I think that we're getting on all right and I think we've gotten all right over the direct messages and stuff. But there's one player who, I'm going to be honest, you were on a downfall for me then. You got rid of my ultimate cult hero, Neil McKenzie. Talk to me about that. What happened there? Because you you made a teenager cry.
0: <laughs> well, I just I just felt he was inconsistent. You know, um, you know when you t- when you talk to players, you, you and you try and you you, you try you, you have a feeling about whether they're taking uh the information on board. And, um, you know, I, I didn't feel he was taking it. He's t- he was a talented player. But it's like you, 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 you look at those players and you think, right, well, you know, if they're not going to take the information on board and they're not going to improve as players and they're not going to give you what you want, then you can't just keep him in the club because the fans want him to stay. You just can't do that, you know. Um, whether you can change the team around or, or 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 make it make it possible that you could get him to play a little bit more consistently and you know you, you try everything you can do but at the end of the day and, and listen let's get this right even the greatest managers alex ferguson have made mistakes veron came to manchester united and didn't have a you know didn't do great these these things happen you know but it's it's all about opinions isn't it and 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 fans of favourites, you know, if I went back to Shepherd Wednesday now and I didn't play and I didn't play anywhere near the standard that I was playing uh, when I was in my A day, you're not going to get one Shepherd Wednesday supporter saying anything bad about me. That's just the way it is.
2: Yeah. That's I right. mean- I mean, to be honest, the whole Neil McKenzie thing—I just say that tongue in cheek because everybody has a childhood hero, and he was mine. He was the one that got me into <laughs> watching football. To be fair, thirty-yard screamers. Uh, there is another player that I want to talk about who I thought was was class for us. He played fifty-six minutes um, for us uh, around that. He played one game, and I thought in those fifty-six minutes we were onto something. His name, Nathan Edge, was Carlton Palmer
3: i mean i've never've never known um you, you don't see player managers very uh, very very often do you uh but yeah it's only only fifty six minutes
2: yeah it it was it was incredible i think you know you mentioned at the top, which we sort of glossed over, that you were going to pick yourself again for Rochdale. Both Adam Rundle and Gareth Jellyman, who we've had on here before, have both said that you worked your absolute backside off to get yourself fit that summer. First of all, why did you think it was imperative for you to you know, pull the shirt back on and go from the touchline to being player-manager?
0: Well, there's certain things. There's certain things um, about... It's my mentality, my mentality of playing being around the boys so they understand the mentality and what's required to do. And that's the one thing Rico used to all say to me, used to say to me, same as my missus, are you fit, CP? Yeah, I'm fit. He said, you play. I know he said, you know, at that level, you know, I I played at the ice level. So even at at, at that level, even though I was getting on a bit, I could easily do it, you know? Um, I didn't get that feeling from Peter. Uh, There was never that old... Gaffer, you should play. You should. But Rico was like, always right. Listen, get your rest. You, if you're fit, these players need. You know, it's just giving them that instructions, that confidence when things are going a little bit against them. Just being in there, saying to them, all right, just relax a little bit. Let's just keep the ball a little bit. Let's just put it in there. Just that instructions on on the football pill, an older head. Um, you know, so it, it's a, it, it's always a difficult one when you when you can you, when you can pull the boots on. Um, but it's it's leading by example and showing them uh, what, what what's expected and I and I tried to do that with the training. I joined in with the training. I'll be joining in with the training with Grantham, even though I'm 55 years of age. Let me tell you, the boys, my boys, will be fit for the start of the season. Don't worry about that. But you know, I, I, I've got a very good eye level of fitness, and it and it was like when I was at Leeds United. Strachan was was 40, but let me tell you, I wanted him to play every week. Because he was infectious, the way that he played and his his desire to play, and he, it, it rubbed off on the rest of the players. So I felt, you know, I had that I had that effect on them, um, but it, it didn't materialise. I mean, for whatever reason, uh, Mansfield didn't work out. But I, I I I can't, you know, and and you know, like I've said it is beyond me how, how how they blame me for the demise of the club that's that's all i'm saying
3: let us um good something i was just about to jump in at actually well i was going to come to uh, gonna to come to anyway so obviously i'm probably not aware fully of you know the criticism you've you've had since leaving the club or or certainly around that point but is that how it feels to you then do you actually feel that you are blamed for the demise of the club because i, I you know i'll be honest so from my point of view, uh, growing up you know, from, club, from a young age and certainly as we got older, obviously getting over the podcast and things, we've we've had to go into things a lot more detail, certainly looking at the past as well. I still don't think, I, I don't think that you are blamed personally from from a fan's perspective. Now, there are going to be fans out there listening and we will get feedback as well. And obviously, like you said, there are opinions out there and, you know, we, some, you know, I think some like managers, some don't. So we had Dave Flitcroft with us the other, the other season. Uh, don't play the song, Craig. Um, Bring him home. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Uh, and, and, and as a podcast, I think you know, we all really highly rated him, but there was still some out there that just didn't like him regardless, you know, despite us having a very successful season with him. So whether if you came in and uh, you know and, and got more points on the board, you're still gonna get players you know, fans that don't uh, don't like you anyway. That's 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 football, that's opinions, that happens. But I think to be honest, the blame still lies with the chairman, not, not you. I think the problem was, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you was basically coming into a hiding anyway because of because of that off-the-pitch oh, off problem.
0: Sorry, Nathan, that's an excuse, mate. That, that That's an excuse. I mean, at the end of the day, whatever's happening between the chairman and the club, it's nothing to do with me. If I've come in there as an individual, they should have treated me as an individual. I, I love football. Football's been good to me and I've been good to football. I'm loyal to football. So they should, I, listen, I, I've had my arguments with the chairman. We're playing at Shrew, Shrewsbury on, a, on, a, on a, a 12 o'clock kickoff and I paid for the overnight stay because he won't pay for the overnight stay. So I've had my arguments with with, with the chairman. I had my arguments with Brendan Elwood. But that's what you do with your friends who know about football. You have your fallouts. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it wasn't. I, I've had my arguments with the chairman when he told me what the budget was. You know, I, I, I've not just sat there and accepted things from him because we put our friendship to one side. My friendship will put, be put to one side with Darren when I'm dealing with, with the football club. I didn't know Darren before I'm going into... To, to Grantham he's going to be my chairman and we will be friends and we'll be friends when I leave but with, there will be times when me and Darren will have to fall out about football matters when I go and ask him for football money when results are not going that, that 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 is part just because you're friends that's still part and parcel of the job listen so I just, just
2: I just I just want to jump in and say that you know I know that you you feel that A a large majority of Mansfield fans do blame you for the demise, and I think that needs to that needs to stop because I think for every one Mansfield fan that you uh, say feels that and who says that directly to you, I would find you ten that don't. There's a lot of different things in there. I I just, yeah, absolutely. Um, I just think that that's something which I know it's been on you for a long time, and I guess if social media would have been a little bit more rife, that it might have been a lot, lot more. But I, I honestly think that hopefully this will this will show that there are differences of opinion there are it, i honestly think that like nathan said it's more the friendship than anything and i think we've covered that and i just want to say to you that from two mansfield fans and who have got parents and grandparents that are fans of the club that those people who say that are a minority so please do not judge our football club and our fan base by that basis
0: yeah, well, thank you, and I appreciate that. But you know, one one thing the supporters have to understand is when you're a football manager, you know things. So the board tell you things. You cannot come out and say those things. Could you imagine me coming out and saying, "Well, the budget this year is eight hundred and fifty grand"? You look at the budget for that year. Well, that means you're third from bottom in the league. So how are you going to get club sponsors? How are you going to get people to? Yeah. You are absolutely damned if you
2: don't, aren't you? You, You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. It is a horrible cycle of a world.
0: Yeah, you've just got to, you know, put that spin on it and you never know, you work with the kids. I knew with the squad that we got, given a couple of seasons, we would do well. They were young and inexperienced, but they were good players and they would kick on.
2: Do you know Um, what? I I agree with that as well. Sorry to jump in again, but it just takes me back to the point before. I agree with that. I think they would have developed a little bit more. And I think a lot of it is down to um, you playing. I think had you played on a little bit more, I think that might have developed. Was there a reason that you didn't? Was it a a decision between you and the staff? Was it an injury? Because it it seemed to to go so well. You were playing in pre-season and putting in decent enough performances and it was building. Why did that suddenly stop?
0: Well, like I said, um, you know, um, I wasn't encouraged to do it. And um, I, listen, and let's get this wrong right. I don't blame anybody else. I brought Pete shirt, in, It was my pro- my problem, and that caused. Uh, listen, I'm not I'm not one of these people who look for excuses. Mm. I made the wrong decision, and that is that. And so from then on, the only person who's was responsible was was me, right? You, you know even though you're a strong person I, I, I'm, I'm remarried again and I, I, I and I've been married for 18 years just gone do you know when you when you're in this in a mindset and you've got like my wife will come to me and she'll say to you like I'm talking to her about stuff and she'll be like yes go go for it that was like Rick you need that you need that even though you're strong you need that encouragement you need that you know um you need that somebody who's behind you, and especially in football where it is a cutthroat business and it is a resort base. It, you know, every supporter, you, you imagine now, you know, I, I, I'm in tune with supporters. I understand the game's now gone so far away from, from the general public. They, they turn up the game's... They, they, you know, uh, I had arguments with Keith about this. Can't we give tickets away? So, you know, we go into schools. Can we give a ticket that they can bring you, you know, so you give one ticket away to the kid. Well, the dad's got to buy one ticket so we can get the crowd. I understand that supporters have to go out there and work hard. And then, you know, they go to watch a football match. They want the side to win. They might have parted with the best part of 100, 150 grand, 50 quid. And then you go IO to championship and the Premier League. So I understand all of all of that and and you know it is very difficult and you need somebody who's going to be behind you all the way that you shut your eyes and you know you can trust them implicitly hindsight and I isn't yeah abs- i've
2: wrong Absolutely. i think hindsight is a wonderful thing and i think you know let's just clarify are you saying that the decision for you to not play was uh, a managerial and a, and a coaching team decision or was it an injury
0: no, I wasn't injured. No, yeah. it was it. It was. I mean, the, the 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 Rochdale game where I decided not to play, I had been injured uh, that week, and so I hadn't trained till later on in the week. But I was fit to play. That was that was a a, a decision taken uh, by myself not to play. Um, yeah. But you know, I'm not saying that Peter never said for me to play. But he wasn't like like Rico. Like I said to you, Rico would be like. You know, and it's a massive thing. I didn't realise till Rico said to me, you know, when you're on the you're on the football pitch, Colton, the, the 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 difference it is for the other players because it almost takes the the pressure off them a little bit, you know, because the other team are more worried about me, and it takes the pressure off them, and then I can help them in situations, especially, you know, giving them confidence, seeing them through little sticky periods yeah. in games where where he comes, and you know, I I am fit. I, I will be registered this season for Grantham Town and I will, if needed, play. And that's a fact.
2: Yeah, I mean, if Kevin Ellison can do it at Newport, then, you know, why can't Carton Palmer a few levels down? Only 10, 10 or so years older. Um, let's go back to a couple of footballing things before we sort of wrap, wrap things up. And and I think this is another thing which me and Nathan glossed over. And, and for, you know, I anticipate backlash from this episode. Of course I do. Um, and I'm used to that. Um it's part and parcel of coming for a podcast. And by no means are we trying to feed you excuses and things like that. And I don't think you, you, you'd say that they were anyway. But there's another thing which, which came to my mind as well, Nath, um, uh, in and amongst this. And that's another thing which we don't think of as fans. Uh, there was a left-back, Craig Woodman, who allegedly refused to become cup-tied in a game because he was on loan from, I think, Bristol City. How many incidents like that were there at the time which you were having to, to juggle whilst... Allegedly not being paid, whilst um, you know working day to day, whilst having to postpone your other commitments to the BBC, whilst all the the rumours and the backlash was happening as well, plus your personal life on top. How many of those incidences were you having to to juggle?
0: Quite a lot. Quite a lot. It was it was a, it was a difficult situation. I don't. I you know as you said at the start of that the statements. I don't want to make excuses. I'm not the only manager to do this, uh, you know. All managers, and especially, you know, if you play, if you if you're higher up, you earn more money, so you can deal with it. But you've got to understand the managers who manage in the lower league. It is not highly paid, you know. Uh, I'll give you, for instance, like you know, I was on 35 grand a year. My maintenance was 64 grand. You know, it's not an highly paid job. And these 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 pay, these managers come in, they they put their heart and soul on it. They try their very best. And I know. You know, supporters want their teams to win, and it's very difficult. You you dealt with these circumstances all the time. You're not just in the lower leagues. You've got a squad of, you know, maybe 18 players. Mm. If you're lucky, you get a couple of injuries to key players. It's a major problem. I lose Tipton at the start of the season. It would have been massive for me. You know, things could have been so different. It's all those little differences that come in, and and they're all listen. They're all part and parcel of the game. Um, and they're all part and parcel of the circumstances. But given time, I always believe in time. You, you know, things things level themselves out. And 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 I believe given time. Uh, 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 and by the way, let me get let me get this right. I resigned. I was never I was never asked to leave. In fact, I was asked to stay. And that was not just by the chairman. That was by the rest of the board. Um, I was asked to to stay and reconsider. But as I said, I felt that environment for these players to play in wasn't right and I felt that I didn't want uh, what I said to Keith to keep uh, Peter was I didn't want those players to have some another manager come in and get rid of them because I believe they they were a great group of lads the dressing room was fantastic the banter we had in 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 the dressing room was was great as you say Richie Barker I brought in was absolutely fantastic he he was He was loyal to me and I know he he was kind of, you know, my buffer in the dressing room. Paul Holland was brilliant behind the scenes. And, you know, in hindsight, I might well have been better off just giving Paul Holland the the assistant's job.
2: Listen, tongue in cheek here. I think, you know, hindsight is an absolutely wonderful thing. And they say that you can't choose your friends because if you could choose your friends, Maybe Ronnie Biggs, the great train robber, might have had different ideas as well when he went into that pub that night and asked for a little uh, little bit of a help from from his friend. And we all know where that ended up. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Google the great train robber. You'll know what I'm talking about. Uh, I want to go tongue-in-cheek for a second, Carlton, because obviously we had Adam Rundle on. One of the stories which he said, which was hilarious and brilliant, I urge you to go and seek it out and find him, was when you were having that meeting about Matt Tipton and about players that you wanted to, to keep and go, did you know that he was in the toilet?
0: I had no idea. I had no idea. I know I thought that was hilarious to be honest with you. He's a he's a he's a great lad, was Adam. He's a great lad and he he, he done fantastically well. I, I know he found it difficult when he come down, you know. He he come he wanted to do well in his career and he was a bit of a shy boy and he 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 he, 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 he had great ability and he you know it it just takes these guys' time, you know, and people don't realise that. Um, you know, I, I see. I brought him down from the league in in Ireland where, you know, he was, that listen, let me tell you, there's a lot of players who play in that league in Shelbourne or all around there. They, they earn good money, so they, you know, they play part time and they can work. So they don't want to come and, you, you know, to, Adam took the chance to come and play um, for us. Um, but he was a great lad. He was, like I said to you, right, you know, in the dressing room, um, it was great with the lads. Um, and so, I, I, you know, I, I'm not coming on here for you, for you all, you know, and the supporters to go back and think Carlton Palmer's brilliant. All I, w- I just wanted to do is give an explanation of mm. of why why I resigned at that point in time, and the, you know, I, the 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 their situation with the chairman has got nothing to do with me. You know, he's just a friend. But my situation with the club. Um, was that I just felt and you've, you've already alluded to that I just felt that that I was treated a bit unfairly
2: if you did know that Adam Runder was in there what would you have done if you'd have heard a noise because we were intrigued by this we were trying to second guess what would Cotton Palmer have done if you'd have heard a, r- a rusting and thinking hang on a minute there's somebody else in the room what would you have done
0: I uh, it's hard to say isn't it I mean I don't think I'd have gone mad about it See, I mean Listen, it might be something I would have done myself, so I don't think I'd have gone mad about it. It, uh, was, it was a. And like a... I like say, like say, you get to know your players. He, he's a lovely kid, and they're shy, You know, he was shy at the time of retiring, so yeah. there would been there would be no big deal about it. Listen, at the end of the day, I, I, I'm a straight person. I'm black and white, so whatever whatever I would have said would have. Would have, would have been transferred to the players in any event.
2: Absolutely. I think you've given a, a, a good account. I think fans will certainly have a listen to this. They'll have their own opinions. You're never going to change some opinions. That That's the way it is. And we do thank you f- for doing that. We want to end on a bit of a high and a bit of a, a tongue-in-cheek laugh. You've already said that you were quite competitive. You know, if you're if you, you know, doing fitness work, you want to finish first. If you're doing races, you want to finish first. You were trying to play, that sort of thing. So we've got something which you can compete at. There's a few of your ex-players that have had a little go at this. Nathan, would you like to enlighten our guest as to what magical content is
3: about to fall his way? Yes, yeah, so it's uh, it's one of Craig's super little quizzes, but the good news is it's it's it's, it's, so it's all about you. So hopefully you should know a lot of them, to be fair. But uh, yeah, there are a lot of ex-players that I've got involved with this. So uh, If you you want to be competitive, uh, there's a good leaderboard there for you to get involved with.
2: Yeah, there is. So how competitive on a scale of 1 to 10 would you say you are, Carlton? 11. 11, right. (laughs) Let's have a little look through some of these names then and uh, have a little look at uh, who um, you'll be competing against, names that you will know uh, quite well. So Gareth Jellyman, he's on there, of course. Uh, He scored 8 in uh, 1 minute 38. Richie Barker at Legends Live scored 7 in 137. A couple of others in there. Adam Murray, you'll know fleetingly as well, 6 in one fifty-four. And Adam Rundle, by far the worst of the lot so far, Uh, 4 in 3 minutes 10. At the top of the leaderboard is Andy White uh, in 1 minute and 19 seconds. This is how the quiz works, Carlton. As Nathan said, it's 10 questions against the clock all about you contestants are looking to get the most correct answers in the quickest time if you get an answer wrong it's plus 5 seconds to your total time if you pass it's plus 10 so worth a go even if you don't know uh, adam runder by the way is the only person to ever pass on a question uh, and that cost him dearly in the time stake so that's something you might want to talk think about and all the 10 questions we have sort of glossed over in the last sort of hour or so of talking. So hopefully they'll be fresh in the memory. You've heard what your ex-players and things like that got in their attempts. Where are you pitching yourself?
0: I don't know. We'll have to just wait and see.
2: There we go. Optimism. Nathan, uh, you're going to play along uh, as well. We'll reveal the answers at the end. So Carlton, if you're ready, we will play yep. the It's All About You quiz. Uh, and we will. the timer will start after... I've asked the first question and we'll get underway in three, two, one. You registered yourself as a player manager playing just the uh, one game competitively. How many minutes did you complete?
0: 56.
2: Your caretaker spell included a lot of sending offs for your players, but who started the trend in your first game against Colchester? Oh, Jesus. Big centre back. Pass. I don't know, can't remember his name. Uh, shortly after that game, a player was sent back to Bristol City having seemingly refused to become cup-tied. Who was it? Uh,
0: Colin Thorpe. Or was it Colin? Um, Jesus. Colin Woodward. Uh,
2: Richie Barker was one of a handful of players you signed who'd go on to become fan favourites in total in his spell at the club. How many times did he find the net? 35, 40, 45, or 50?
0: Uh, 15.
2: Staying with Barker, which former player of yours at the Stags now shares the dugout with, with assistant Richie as manager of Rotherham? 4 1. Huge Ken Blues. Huge Ken Blues is an anagram of which of your former signings? Huge Ken Blues. H U G E K E N B L U E S. Pass. Out of the following players, who would go on to manage the Stags later in their career? Dave Artel, Adam Murray or Nathan Arnold?
0: Adam Murray.
2: As permanent manager, how many games did you win as a permanent manager?
0: 14,
2: I think. No 10. During your prolonged caretaker spell, you did record victory over Notts County, but what was the score?
0: 2-0.
2: And finally, which of your signings would go on to become part of the title of Jeff Stelling's autobiography? I really wanna... and stop the clock there we go I was just about to say I really want to give you a clue but uh, I'll let you into suit you got that one <laughs> so well done I was about to say, I was about to say goes well with ice cream but there you go uh, I'll have a little top- up at those I do need to check one of the uh, the facts as well um, so I was don't tell anyone but I was working from home whilst I put this quiz together and I was taking a little <laughs> break so I wasn't fully concentrating but there you go uh, so I'm going to check uh, one of those whilst I do that and add up all the times uh, as well um, Nathan um, just have a little go through that this is your opportunity now to ask any questions it can be about stags it can be about England it can be about whatever obviously you know Carl, uh, with his England career and stuff like that uh, Euro final coming up on Sunday Nathan Edge you're in the question hot seat don't muck
3: <laughs> it up yeah, yeah. <laughs> cheers, mate. Uh, yeah, you just took the took the words out of my mouth. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing this will probably be released after after Sunday. Uh, depending on Craig's schedule. But no, it'll go it will go out Saturday. It will go out Saturday before. Oh, is it? Okay, perfect. So, is it is it coming home, Colton?
0: Yeah, I think so. I think so. I think um, I think everything's worked out for England. I think uh, the 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 draws work for England. Um, everything Gareth's done, all the decisions. I mean, we've all got opinions, but. You know, and I've certainly not agreed with with all of his selections and whatever, but but he's the manager. Everything seems to be worked out, worked out for him. The players seem committed. Um, it, you know, it's going to be a tough game against the Italians. They, they they're renowned for spoiling the game and they're hanging games like they did against Spain. I mean, the first forty five minutes, you know, you thought Spain were going to run away with it. Um, so it's going to be a tough game. But I think um, there's too many options that Gareth has at his disposal. Um, we have we have great pace. We have two players that are banging form now, Sterling and and Kane. So yeah, I I honestly believe I think it's going to go long, but I think I think we'll we'll we'll, we'll get it. I really do. Have
3: you um, have you worked alongside um, Southgate or at any point in your career have your career's path pass, past um any point?
0: No, no. I mean, obviously, I played against Gareth, mm. uh, but no, I didn't play with him for England and and whatever. Um, you know he's done, he's done a fantastic job. I mean, obviously, you know uh, I, I, I'm not like I said I'm, I'm, I'm black and white. I, I wasn't a big fan of his, but you know, in all fairness to him, and when I say a big fan of him, uh, you know, in terms of the in the England job, I thought in the World Cup they should have done better. You know, they, they really only played Croatia, um, and they went and they went out. Um, but he's learned from that, and he's got a good squad of young players, and everything he's done is right. So you, you've got to give him the plaudits, and you've got to say, Well done, Gareth. Well done, you coaching staff, and well done, the players.
2: Yeah, the results absolutely. are in and the results will be in on Sunday as well. We'll find out if football does come come home. But as I keep saying to Nathan and Cam and Simon in the group chat, football will come home when the Stags play Coventry at the one-core stadium in a pre-season friendly because yeah. Mansfield <laughs> always matters. Uh, get
3: on brand, Nathan. Get on brand. Love What's it. the... Uh, the <laughs> England-Euro sort of equivalent of Bar Humber because you I mean, no, let, let you're literally you're not let, on board with anything, are you? you're giving me a lot of. It's you're me. giving
2: me a lot of grief for this and I need to clarify this I want England to do well I want England to win it but if you put a screen in front of me two screens in front of me one on the left is Mansfield Town lifting the Sky Bet League 2 title and one on the right is England winning the Euros or the World Cup my attention will always be drawn to one on the left because yeah. I don't follow Premier oh, League football because I don't follow those players and because I don't investing a lot of time you know I work at a a football club community trust I'm in and around football every single day so the last thing I want to do when I come home is sit down and watch more football so you know I don't watch it as much so I'm passionate for the country I'm passionate for what wanting them to to do well but I'm always going to choose Mansfield town doing well because Mansfield always matters get on brand get on brand Uh, right Uh, let's move let's move swiftly on let's move swiftly on it's coming home um to the uh, the quiz um i've done a bit of tidying up and i've cross referenced my answer um and uh i have to say that unfortunately your answer on uh, the particular question was wrong so i've changed that your total time uh, without penalties Carlton was 2 minutes and 6 seconds um which i think is a reasonable reasonable time Nathan considering those questions don't you
3: yeah, I've got to say the last two quizzes you've done, you've made them harder. I think so. Both Carlton and was um, Adam Rundle the last one? Look, Andy got, White ran
2: away, ran away with it. The questions were
3: far too easy, so I had to change my stance. All right, he got a tough, got a tough, tough block. But um, no, there was uh, there, there were some tricky ones in there. I'm, I'm not sure. I I've got. Five and a half in my head. I feel like there's a half point in there, so it's, whatever, it's how it's you're feeling.
2: Yeah, I, I might throw a half in there, to be fair, and I'll tell you for why in a second. But um, I can tell you, Carlton, that you scored four in two minutes and six seconds um, with um, two passes, which is plus 20 seconds, plus the other 20 seconds as well. So it's a total time of two minutes 46, uh, which gets you just above um, Adam Rundle in the uh in the table so you're not bottom you're second bottom and you know for some teams that's survival so there you go Uh, i think it's a good effort and you definitely hit the post on a few let's run through the ones you got right um first question easy 56 minutes at stockport away um second one you definitely hit the post on um you were thinking of him it wasn't a center back though it is a striker in the colchester game and it was Derek asamoah who got himself sent off in that one um i think he got himself sent off twice in that caretaker spell there was a lot of red cards there a lot of red cards a lot of ill discipline um you definitely definitely hit the post the crossbar and then the post again on the third question, which was the, the lad who refused to become cup-tied. Um, you were saying Colin, and then you said something like, I think you might have even got his surname. It was Craig Woodman. Craig Woodman, yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah that's the one I was saying about the half point. So you did say Woodman, so that's what I mean. I wonder how uh, generous you're going to be there. Mm, yeah,
2: I'll, I'll, I'll consider it, because there's another one which could be a plus uh, a half as well. Um, Richie Barker was one of a handful of players, 35, 40, 45 or 50. It was 40 goals um, for the Stags in competitive fixtures. Um, staying with Richie, then you got Paul Warren right as well. Um, quick one on that before I do the, the rest of the answers. Did you always know that he'd go on to be a coach and a manager because every person we spoke to that played with Richie said 100% he was manager fodder?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Great lad. Great leader. A top log.
2: Uh The yeah. other one, uh, you got the Adam Murray one right. He did be- go on to become uh, our manager as well. Dave Artel, of course. Um- uh, all three of those, incidentally, are managers. Dave Artell uh, currently in League One with Crewe, doing really, really well, uh, and a player that you were uh, involved with as well during your time. I think he had uh, uh, a bit of an illness as well. We might come up on, uh, on that in a second as well. Uh, and then the other, Nathan Arnold, who's uh, just taken over, I believe, at Newark Town um, as manager there, so good luck to him. Uh, as permanent manager, this is the other one where I was thinking about giving you half a point. Um, I think you said 14 for the amount of wins, didn't you? as permanent yeah. manager. Um, now, I had a little count through of the games and had a little look at this. Um, and the clue was in the question as permanent manager, a lot right. of your wins came as caretaker. Um, so um, you actually only remarkably got four victories as permanent manager, which is remarkable. But in your spell as caretaker, you obviously got a, a lot more in there as well. I'll tell you the, the full stats in a second. Let me find my right uh, bit of uh, bit of paper. Um which was, um, you know, you got quite a few wins in that uh, that caretaker uh, role as well. So I think, you know, you that's potentially one we could look at giving half a point for. Colchester drew one all. Uh, Boston drew 0-0, uh, Leighton Orient lost 1-0, uh, Colchester replay lost, uh, Darlington lost, Rushton drew... Um, Southend won, Northampton lost. So one win, uh, two wins against Scunthorpe, um, going through, and then it starts to come. Three wins against KNOTS County, four wins against Swansea, um, five wins against Barry, and then um, yeah, that's it. So five plus four, nine wins in your in your time as Stags manager. A lot of draws in there as well, and I think a lot of lot of uh, here there and maybe. So um, I'm not going to give half a point for that because it wasn't right but i will agree with nathan and give half a point on woodman first ever player to score half a point carlton as well so uh there's definitely a first in that one um let's put you out of the misery for the anagram nathan hates these i do it on everybody uh he should have warned you before i gave him the opportunity huge ken blues Nathan. any ideas
3: not a clue gus no ulenbeek
2: idea. gus ulenbeek was the answer to that one um, oh, no chance for that. I know it was a, it was a tough one to be fair. Um, and then the last one, you said two 0 for the win over Knox County. Sadly, it was just the one. So there you go. Uh, Four point five though in two minutes and forty six your total time.
3: Pleased with that?
0: Well, not really. No. <laughs> oh, let's let's be honest about that. But there you go. It
3: was it was a long time ago anyway. Yeah. It's, well, there's always.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It was a long time ago. Let's uh, finish things off. Obviously, Nathan talked a little bit about the Euros there um, as well and and your time at England. You know, there's a lot of time passed now since you were last a manager. Uh, You've taken up a managerial position, which you've spoken a lot about. We genuinely wish you the the very best of luck um, with that. What have you been doing in between? You've obviously been out of the country for for a lot of it. A lot of uh, coaching over there, overseas.
0: Yeah, I've been I've been coaching in Dubai uh, for uh, five years and then I've just done, you know, uh, just over seven years in in Shanghai. So I've really enjoyed it. Um, but obviously, with as I said before, with the, with the pandemic and, and not being able to see the kids and the grandkids and, you know, our families, we decided that, you know, China's not going to open up their borders for at least another year uh, and I don't blame them for doing so. Uh, because everything's normal in china. we we had a knockdown there for three months and then everything reopened as normal because they just don't let anybody in. Uh, and that's as simple as it is. so we we made a decision that it was time. we We were coming back uh, next year anyhow. Anyway. Uh, we went while the kids were going off to university and 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 sort of getting on with it, their lives a little bit. and now it's uh, it's time for us to to be around as the, as they're it's in the middle you know, middle, you know, 20s and whatever. So we're super excited to be back now.
2: Yeah, we genuinely wish you the, the very best of luck as well in your uh, in your future uh, managerial career at non-league uh, Grantham, is it that you've taken over?
0: Yeah, that's correct. That's uh, correct.
2: And also as well, you know, you've been very open with us. You've been very honest with us as well. Um, there will be a few things that fans perhaps don't agree with, don't disagree with. It's not worth raking over them again, but I just want to, you know, Thank you for your time. Thank you for, for, for talking about that. There's certainly a few things in there which, which opened my eyes a little bit and gave a bit of an insight, which is exactly why we you know, we do these podcasts. Um, I do want to reiterate the point that I said before, that for every one Mansfield fan that does come at you on social media and, and have that view, there are 10, 20 others that don't. So don't let that that bite on you and uh, and think about that too much. And I think a lot of time has passed now. Mansfield as a, as a club are in... Very, very good hands with the Radfords. We're on an upward trajectory and we've certainly moved on from that as well. So I think it, it's time now to perhaps draw a line under that for absolutely everybody concerned. You have got a book out though. Is there a part of that book that does include a bit of your time on Mansfield? I think Adam Rundle might have mentioned uh, a little something. Uh,
0: well, yeah, I mean, well, it, it just not... In general, just about management. I mm. mean, um, you know, it's, it, it, it's a great book if, if people want to read it. I mean, proceeds go to uh, CAVCare Cancer Charity in, in Sheffield. But, yeah, it mentions about my time in, ma- uh, in, man- um, in management and I, I mentioned, um, you know, uh, what happened. And, and I do appreciate you allowing me to come on. As I said, I, I've not come on to... To, to change people's perspectives. That's that's not what I wanted to do. What I wanted what I wanted want people to understand is that it was not as simple as what they thought it was. Um, so I appreciate you allowing me this opportunity to 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 give my side of the story and I and I sincerely hope Mansfield town get 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 promotion this season they've been very unlucky on a couple of occasions
2: and if anybody wanted to grab hold of it, a copy of your book where can they go uh, to do that i mean i give nathan an, enough opportunities to plug his doggy daycare business so i might as well <laughs> give you the chance to plug an amazon link
0: yeah no yeah so they can get it on amazon and if they can't get it on amazon if they give it if they give me a tweet then um, my my publisher will be able to to, to get them a copy and a signed copy to. so they can tweet me or or whatever. But um, I, the last time I heard, Amazon was sold out. But it, it, but you know, we we can we can always get them copies if they want to contact me. So you know, just just contact me on Twitter or or um, or get in touch with Amazon.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I, I think as well, uh, you know, great that it's for charity as well. And I know you've done a lot of little bits for for things for charity as well. So. Um, why did you want to, in particular, make sure that the, the proceeds from you know, book sales and things like that were, were you know, going to charity rather than doing what a lot of ex-footballers do and just go, do you know what? I'll have a little bit of uh, extra pin money.
0: Well, that was... Listen, I, if I wanted to make money out of doing a book, I would have done a book a long time ago. I was offered, you know, when I was in my prime, uh, significant sums to do a book. Uh, what happened was when I had um, art surgery... I just wanted to, to especially more so for my children, um, you know, because I got divorced, my kids were really young. That they, if anything ever happened to me, that they had, they had an understanding of um, of their dad. Mm. And then people that you know who, who, who I know in the game also, also said, listen, Colton, you you can help and inspire a lot of people with the with your positivity and with your you, you you know the way you are, so that was the reason for me doing the book. And and if I can help uh, other people, like you know I'm I'm patron for this uh, Care Cancer Charity, then obviously that I'd, I'd like to do something like that. So the book was done really for for a personal um, reasons, and and it's not a straightforward book. It's not just a footballing book. And uh, you know any young kid who's aspiring to do something can see the journey that I've been on, that it's never, ever been easy yeah. for me. I've never, ever been flavour of the month. I've always been criticised, but I've always uh, had the belief. I always keep going and I always get there at the end. And, it, and you know, it's often very satisfying for me because, you know, I, I make a lot of people uh, have to regret their their thoughts or their words. So this is what I try to do for, the, for, for my kids to understand... You know, that if you're prepared to, you you know, put the hard work in, make the sacrifice and be dedicated that you can be successful and, and that people often want to knock you and that is that is part and parcel of life and you have yeah. to be strong enough to deal with it.
2: And you mentioned in there as well the, the heart surgery. Just are you okay now? Is that that a long time in the past? Are you fit and recovered and healthy now?
0: Yeah, a long time in the past. I mean, Good. things have changed. Things have changed so much now. I mean you know going back how many years ago beyond art surgery now you know they go up through both groins I mean operation for six and a half hours and you know it took me probably a year to recover but you know now the the, the uh, surgeon says to me you know get on and live a normal life and that's what I do
2: yeah absolutely well that's all we've got time for unfortunately Um, like I said before thanks very much for your time really really appreciate it football is a game of opinions it's a Uh, A game which will cause arguments, will cause conversations. And sometimes that's the beauty of it, but sometimes that's the ugly side of it um, as well. Um, and I genuinely, genuinely think that we've certainly got a few answers to some questions which we might have had um, in, the, in, the, in, in the past and things like that. And I genuinely hope that this has gone along uh, uh, some way to answering those um, as well. And I wish you all the very, very best. As we always do on this show, Carlton, uh, we give the last word to our guests. So this is your opportunity now to have one last word, hopefully a positive one towards the Mansfield Town fans now we've got all of that washing out on the washing line and let it dry a little bit and we all aim to move on in a different direction you back into football management Mansfield Town trying to chase the league one dream and of course England trying to bring it home your message to those fans
0: Yeah, no. listen I'm an ultra positive person so listen like I said to you I I, I appreciate the fact that you've allowed me to come on I just wanted to give uh, a a different insight to to my time at Mansfield Town. So, I sincerely, I you know, I was there when Mansfield were in the in in the playoff final at Wembley, and I was chairing them on um, because of my association with the chairman and with Keith Curl. Um, so, listen, I wish uh, Mansfield nothing but good things. Um, and obviously, we're all looking forward to to Sunday, and let's hope that England uh, will go on. And everybody should stay safe and look after each other. And everybody. This is what I always say to people, just think about what you say, think about how you act and how that might affect somebody else. And if you can't say anything good, then don't say anything at all.
2: of that conversation with Carlton Palmer. At one point, I wanted to shout down the microphone and ring his neck and shout and have a debate. At other points, I actually wanted to, to sit back and, and take stock of actions of football fans and maybe some actions of my own in, in previous times. Um, wow. Um, I, my mind, I, I don't know where my mind's at with it. I don't think it's changed too much. And I think what, what's highlighted the most, and I think what we managed to uh, to do actually between the, the pair of us, me and, you, me and you, was to actually highlight that the main problem was not football, was not the way we played or the dealings with, with players, with fans' favourites, but that friendship. And I think that friendship is something which will just weigh over the whole situation and, and maybe the the 90-minute interview that we've just done when it
3: perhaps yeah. shouldn't absolutely um you know the, the thing that that struck me the most um is, is quite evidently you know Colton's a very sort of um strong confident character you know he's he's got a lot of self self belief and um, and you know he, he has earned the right to do that to a certain extent you know, he has played a you know a very high level um and he and, and he from from what we have gauged from people that know him, have, have worked with him, he's, he's worked hard to do that, so he's, he's certainly got the right to that. But I kind of got the feeling that he does still hold it a bit personally. He does feel that he is blamed for the the demise of Mansfield Town Football Club, and I I was quite surprised when he said that because even as a supporter who, you know, um, was was there throughout that time uh, and, and certainly throughout the the dark days when we ended up eventually getting relegated although yes he's not been a a popular figure at the club i didn't i didn't ever think he was i I didn't think he was to blame you know obviously the abuse he's had that's led to him thinking that
2: yeah uh, that does sort of sadden me a a little bit i understand why he got abuse um because of the friendship with the ex-chairman i totally understand that and i think you know, like we've said on many occasions, it could have been Carlton Palmer. It could have been one of 10, 20 of Haslam's friends. And every one of those people, whoever came in at that time, would have got flack because of that friendship and relationship. And, you know, something I think, um, Keith Kill might have got a bit more flack if, if they knew about the relationship with, with him as well. That was a very surprising insight that, um, according to Palmer... He was the introduction between the two. That's something we perhaps need to explore more in the future. But I have to say, that was the one time which I got slightly angry. Maybe towards Cotton a little bit, but I think he, he did sort of, to credit him, take that step back and actually understand what I was saying. That for every one Mansfield Town fan that goes to him with that abuse, with that I blame you for the demise of Mansfield Town Football Club, there are 10 20 others that don't that know that there were seasons yeah. after that that there they're a contributing factor so I hope that he's taken that away from this
3: yeah and and that's what kind of the point I I, I tried to sort of say as well you know as uh, in, in one hand um you know, there's, there's two there's completely there's two completely different ways of, of, of looking at it There's there's the manager side you know if, if you try to set aside the fact that there's that friendship there with the with the chairman and things like that. Set that aside, say that wasn't even existent. He would then be judged on his on his managing performances. And and the, the this this the, could still be the same reaction where people don't yeah. like you know, Graham Cochland. Everyone say the same about him, you'd never have him back as as a manager at Mansfield Town because it didn't work out for him. Mm. But the problem Colin Palmer had is there was that added stuff off the pitch, which Contributed to him, and it wasn't his fault, it wasn't the fans' fault, it was <laughs> you know, it's just that's the situation at the time. So, no matter who came into that role, because of it was you know, because of that relationship that was there, they was already onto to hiding. And I, and I, the bit that I was surprised about a little bit is that you know, <laughs> not that it's like he 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 does keep asking for that for because he clearly had no warning of going into that. Well, from His words, he had no idea what necessarily he was stepping into, um, until he was already in. So, that's you think that's kind of the chairman's fault as well, yeah. You're throwing him under the bus, in I a sense. agree with
2: that. And you know, perhaps in hindsight, thinking about that, I should have perhaps pushed him more on, on that, um, because he did mention a few instances where you know, Carlton says he was paying for overnight stays and hotels and things like that and, you know, putting players up and looking to, to get them houses and, and, and things like that and other bits and bobs and paying petrol and relocations and, and all that sort of thing. Um, and given the other stories we've heard from other ex-players as well, there's probably a re- about Haslam um, and some other things which happened.
3: There's probably an air of truth to that. Yeah, exactly. So- um, <laughs> you think you'd be a bit more annoyed. At, uh, at at you know the, the chairman who who I think we would all agree is the is the, is the real enemy, um you know so like I was saying I, I you know, it didn't work out for for Colton for both I think managerial and and because of what was going off of the pitch but like i said the circumstances could have been different if uh, if those off the field issues weren't there but I it was just that point I just don't think you know I, we could be completely wrong I don't know if we've we've gauged it wrong, but I personally don't think that he's to blame for the demise of Manchester United football, but I, I, I feel that lies solely with the chairman.
2: Yeah, absolutely, because it goes back years before he came in, years after he came out, and for me, I, I wanted to, well, I mean, I did at the time anyway, I didn't understand the politics of it all, I didn't wasn't really massively aware of the friendship at the time, you know, like I said in the podcast, I was only a teenager, year eight, year nine, um, at the time, but I think what I want to judge him on was the football and it's almost like having a Graham Cochland twin because footballing wise it wasn't great and we were shocking at times but also we brought in some good players that then went on to do other things and the whole shirtlift thing which you mentioned about him he was the the main driving force behind him going I, I don't know I would like to put this out there now. If you know Peter Shirtliff or you are Peter Shirtliff, then send us an email, follow us on Twitter, drop us a message, get in contact with us because we would love to have you on the show and get your views on that. I'm not looking to start an argument or start a, a, a debate, I genuinely want to hear your stories. Um, I have done for a very long time because the nucleus of the squad which you picked up from Carlton and and took on over the next couple of seasons was the most successful in, in that spell. So I'd like to hear them. Um, But again, I think one thing which was highlighted was that openness and honesty around mental health and what's going off behind the scenes needs to be clarified a little bit more because there were certain decisions and certain things, which according to Carlton in the 90 minutes we've just heard were had other contributing factors which none of us, until now, were particularly aware of.
3: No, and uh, it's something that I think is becoming more and more apparent every episode of Stagosaurus. You know, uh, I think it gets highlighted every time, doesn't it? We, we always hear different stories, some, some, some are deeper than others, but, you know, it's so... We all we're we're all guilty of it to a certain extent, but as supporters, it's so easy just to get wrapped up in that emotion at the time, and it's basically on the on the results at the time where where you're at the table, but you you never really know what's going on behind the scenes. Not all always. Um, you could you could say well, you slightly blame the club for the transparency with certain things, but then there's reasons behind. You know, you said that during the podcast that sometimes. And Colton defended it. He said, you've also got to protect the player, so you, you can't be fully transparent with everything. So sometimes I think we just do have to take a step back and try and hold back some of those emotions. It's not easy because you love the club. yeah. You know, we, we love the club and we follow them. Uh, you know, when for, for, for decades and decades, managers come and go, players come and go, chairmen come and go. But at the same time, in that moment, you've got to, especially this day and age, in the digital age, when it's so easy to send a tweet directly to that person, I think you've got to just certainly take a moment and think, how would I feel if I was receiving that message? And I think that's forgotten so much.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Completely echo um, those words. I don't know where I'm at with my opinions. I don't know whether my opinion has changed um, at all um, because my opinion in the first place was that, um, you know, it was the friendship which caused the friction. And like I said before, it would be, the same um it disappoints me that according to Carlton he's had Stags fans who blame him for for the demise and there might be one or two but like I said before um you know for those one or two I can show you 10 or 20 that that have another view and and that see the realism of it and I had to stress that I didn't want him to have a, a, a bad view of us as supporters as a collective because you know in a batch of apples, there's always going to be one rotten apple. So I think if you focus too much on that, you think the whole batch is rotten, whereas, you know, you need to perhaps take in, take stock a little bit more and, and things like that. So I hope that he's taken um, that away. I'll reiterate what I said at this, the, the top of the show, and that is, you know, social media's rife. Um, it's there a lot more now. Um, he'll be tagged in this, the links to this. Um, so he'll be easy to find. But think, think about what you're saying and what effect it has. It's okay to have an opinion and it's okay to voice an opinion. But there is a fine line between voicing an opinion and being abusive. I hope this show today has gone a long way to giving some more thoughts on the opinions and giving some more clarity on a time very much in our history now, very, very much in our history. But I think the message is clear, um, and that is, it's done. He's got his reasonings, he's got his views. We've got ours, and in the conversations that follow, let it be a conversation, and not an excuse
3: for a keyboard warrior. at one hundred percent. you know, I don't think it can be summed up any any, any better. We. You know this 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 we've done this podcast not to not to defend Colton, not to throw abuse at Colton. It's just to start the conversation, you know, and and, and look at it in a different way. And I just hope that as you sort of said in the uh, in, in, in during the actual podcast, um, you know, that we've we've heard each side of stories, people can their own opinions and and so on from from the information given but what's important is to just draw a line under 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 that period now and uh and 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 move forward rather than always looking back
2: yeah completely
3: and we will move forward into
2: a brand new season the 2021-22 campaign is just around the corner as is pre-season does that mean the end of Stack Stories no it does not we'll have at least two more episodes hopefully Touch will cross fingers to bring you England progressing in the Euros did put pay to to one of them hopefully we'll get that up and sorted we'll bring them you before the start of the season Legends Live 2 will be happening as well more details on that to come we've got a great new guest uh, to join Matt Green on that one um, as well more details on that to come plus the normal podcast will be back as the season kicks off Nath It's coming home. And by it's coming home, I mean football's coming back to Mansfield and Mansfield fans are going to be able to go and see the game starting with Redford
3: a week on Tuesday. See you there? Uh, Absolutely. Um, You know, I think it's coming home. has more than one meaning at the minute, doesn't it? And I think the most important thing is fans are coming home. I just, I think, yes, we'll be at Retford, Yes, we'll be at Matlock. But I can't wait to be back in the one-core stadium
2: absolutely really really can't wait good luck to England at the Euros but let's be honest Nate you sat there you sat there in an England top and we all <laughs> want the country we all want the country to do well you've been calling me Bar Humbug or whatever the football in the is and not of course I want them to do well and I'll be cheering the boys on on Sunday but I'll offer you this now on a plate and don't lie because I know the real answer you can either have Mansfield Town promoted to League One or England winning the Euros take one
3: can I have nope. England winning the Euros and we getting promoted next year nope it's either and or just have a nice strong campaign under the nope. you know, building under the nope. Nigel Clough
2: no, no roof of negotiation mate come on let's lay it on the line and you'll see where I'm coming from because this is the choice oh, which I made
3: but connection
2: such a <laughs> such a <laughs> Charles. make a choice man come on thanks for listening everyone we will see you very soon the views of nathan edge there who is very firmly wedged on the fence the real answer he knows is mansfield why because it always matters oh dear come on you know you're choosing mansfield really